Hi, everybody. This is Carol Huber-Sanik, and I'm back with another episode of The Nearness of You, my podcast dedicated to the legacy of World War II. And I thought long and hard about what I wanted to talk about this week, because these are short shows. When I start interviewing people, the shows will get longer. And I've been making a list of all the different people that want to be on the show. And I'm very excited to say that I've had some really good feedback. So, you know, I'm excited. That means World War II, you know, the memories of are going to go on. This is content that can go on forever because it's about history. And I remembered that last week I had said I was going to start every show with a quote. And because this week I'm going to be talking about the Honor Flight Network, I found a wonderful quote from Abraham Lincoln. Honor to the soldier and sailor everywhere who bravely bears his country's cause. Honor also to the citizen who cares for his brother in the field and serves as best he can the same cause. Welcome back. In doing a lot of research for these shows on what was happening during World War II, before, you know, during and as the war ended, I have to do a lot of research. And I asked a friend of mine who's been participating in the honor flights out of Naples, Florida, if she would consent to being on the show. And she said yes. So I'm going to have Chris Griffith on as a guest probably within the next four to six weeks. So today, when I thought about what, you know, what is this? Does everybody know what the honor flight is? No, the answer is no, you don't. So I went right to their website, and I borrowed. You know, there's no flies on me. I admit when I borrow things. I borrowed. They say on their website, their mission is to transport America's veterans to Washington, D.C. to visit those memorials dedicated to honor the service and sacrifices of themselves and their friends. Honor Flight Network is a nonprofit organization created solely to honor America's veterans for all their sacrifices. We transport our heroes to Washington, D.C. to visit and reflect at their memorials. Top priority is given to the senior veterans, World War II survivors, along with those other veterans who may be terminally ill. Of all the wars in recent memory, it was World War II that truly threatened our very existence as a nation, and boy did it and as a culturally diverse free society. According to the Department of Veterans Affairs, an estimated 640 World War II veterans die each day. And this is an older fact, so I'm not sure where we are with these numbers, but I'm going to give you some more stats. Our time to express our thanks to these brave men and women is running out. There are 130 honor flight hubs in 44 United States, or states of the United States, 20,886 veterans have flown as far as, um, well, let's say 2015. So, yes, these stats might be a little bit older. 159,703 since 2005. And 19,093 guardians flew in 2015. You know, there are 21,032 veterans on the wait list. 20% from World War II, 43% from Korea, 36% from Vietnam and a half percent from other wars. Time is of the essence. According to the Department of Veterans Affairs, an estimated 640 World War II veterans die each day. 
Honor Flight Network will continue to do whatever it takes to fulfill the dreams of our veterans and help our heroes travel absolutely free. Subsequent to the World War II veterans, our efforts will then focus on our Korean War and then Vietnam War veterans, honoring them similarly. An Honor Flight is conducted by nonprofit organizations dedicated to transporting as many U.S. military veterans as possible to see the memorials of the respective wars they fought in at no cost to the veterans in Washington, D.C. Currently, these organizations are focused on bringing veterans of World War II to the National World War II Memorial and any veteran with a terminal illness to see the memorial war they fought in. Organizers plan to naturally transition their programs to focus on veterans of the Korean War and the Vietnam War and subsequent wars as the veterans of these wars get older. Honor flights arrive at all three of the Washington's area airports, Ronald Reagan Washington National Airport, Baltimore Washington International Thurgood Marshall Airport, and Washington Dulles International Airport. The veterans are generally escorted by volunteer guardians who help them on the flight and around D.C. After landing, the taxi and airplane may be saluted by fire trucks, and passengers are often met by cheering crowds in D.C. or upon their return flight home. The Honor Flight Network is a 501c3 nonprofit organization which works as an umbrella organization with local chapters and various subgroups. The network was co-founded by Jeff Miller, a small business owner from Hendersonville, North Carolina, and Earl Morse, a physician assistant and retired Air Force captain. Morse worked in the Department of Veterans Affairs Clinic in Springfield, Ohio, where he saw many patients who were World War II veterans. After the National World War II Memorial in Washington was completed in 2004, he asked many of his veteran patients if they were going to see it, and most said yes. I would see my World War II veterans some three, six months later, Morse said, and I'd ask them if they'd gone to see it. 300 of them, and not one of them had been to it. Reality set in. They were never going. Morse offered to fly with two veterans to Washington to see the memorial, and after seeing them break down and cry and graciously accept the offer. He pitched his idea to a local aero club of 300 private pilots at a local Air Force base, proposing that the pilots would pay for the flights for the veterans to Washington and personally escort them around the city. Eleven volunteered, and the network was formed. By 2005, a board was formed, funds were raised, and volunteers had joined. The first honor flight took place in May 2005 when six small planes flew 12 veterans to Washington. Due to high participation, the program began using commercial flights. At the end of 2005, the program had transported 137 veterans to the memorial. In late 2005, Jeff Miller, a dry cleaning company owner in Hendersonville, North Carolina, inspired by Morse's vision, had a similar idea but on a larger scale. Miller, the son of a World War II veteran and nephew of a B-24 bomber pilot who died in the war, had been a charter member of the National World War II Memorial Foundation. Like Morse, Miller lamented that many World War II veterans would be unable to visit the memorial. The seed that Morse had planted grew to a veritable forest of volunteerism, fundraising, and goodwill toward the greatest generation veterans who had been too busy building their communities to demand recognition for wartime service. On the 23rd and 24th of September and 4th of November 2006, Honor Air flew more than 300 World War II veterans from the Asheville Airport to Washington free of charge. Honor Air provided everything, a medical doctor and several EMTs. 
guardians who would attend to the needs of three to four veterans each, tour buses to take them around the World War II Memorial and other national memorials and a box lunch, Ticket agents and passengers lined the ropes as veterans emerged from the charter jets into the terminal. CBS Sunday Morning aired a moving feature about the Honor Air effort in September of 2006. Geist updated the story in 2007 because it was a story that was so important to him. The Springfield Group and Honor Air soon merged to form the Honor Flight Network. As of 2014, the Honor Flight Network is still headquartered in Springfield, Ohio. Both Jeff Miller and Earl Morse were awarded the Presidential Citizens Medal in 2008 for their extensive work with the program. In 2015, the first all-female honor flight was held with 140 female veterans. This is amazing. I'm amazed, really, that I was able to read through all of that, which I borrowed from their site, from their website, without, well, without tearing up. It's difficult for me to talk about people who obviously came home and never received any kind of huge thank you for their service. Heroes Welcome is a subgroup of the Honor Flight Network, which organizes welcoming ceremonies for the Honor Flights at three Washington area airports. Heroes Welcome is a project of the American Legion Auxiliary Unit 180 in Vienna, Virginia. The ceremonies typically involve a group waiting inside or outside the gate where the flight arrives, clapping and cheering as they walk in. Active duty military members are often present, as are other volunteers, such as school children. Thousands turn out at a Triangle Flight of Honor Return celebration at the Raleigh-Durham International Airport in April 2012. Did you hear that? Thousands. Thousands showed up. Similar but independent organizations organize flights for veterans in their area. The Triangle Flight of Honor has organized eight flights, each serving over 100 veterans. The trips originated from Raleigh-Durham International Airport and concluded with a hero's welcome return with marching bands, local celebrities, and attended by thousands of family members, friends, and area residents. On June 9, 2014, Representative Cedric Richmond, Democrat from Louisiana, introduced the Honor Flight Act in Congress. This bill would direct the Transportation Security Administration, you know, we all know them as the TSA, to establish a process for providing expedited and dignified passenger screening services for veterans traveling on an honor flight to visit war memorials built and dedicated to the honor of their service, as it should be. I'm going to give you a website right now. It'll be in the show summary notes, and that website is H https colon forward slash forward slash honor flight dca dot com forward slash schedule forward slash that'll tell you when honor flights are arriving throughout the year throughout this year 2016 the veterans of world war ii gave something of themselves to protect each and every one of us to do what needed to be done the dirty work of war, said the Army's top enlisted soldier, and it is dirty work. He continued, it's tough, it's demanding. You've got to reach inside of yourself and find that place where you're going to go beyond what you believe is possible as a soldier and as a human being. Sergeant Major of the Army Raymond F. Chandler III was speaking at the Victory in Europe Day event at the World War II Memorial May 8th 
in Washington, D.C. He also represented the Army during a joint wreath-laying ceremony and as well as a special wreath to honor the survivors and victims of the Holocaust. Chandler drew comparisons and contrasts between World War II-era veterans and those serving today. At the start of World War II, thousands of young people chose to go to the recruiting stations to answer the nation's call, he said. After 9-11, many similarly volunteered. When World War II soldiers demobilized, they went back to civilian life and did great things for our nation, which we see today, Chandler said. Likewise, as the Army draws down, I hope you'll welcome our young men and women back into our communities because they've got a lot to offer as well. As soldiers transition to civilian life, they will receive transition assistance and post-9-11 GI Bill benefits, which are similar to what veterans received following World War II. Chandler said, thanking World War II veterans for showing the way ahead in honoring service. When his wife visited World War II-era spouses, they were amazed at the contrast between serving during World War II and today, he said. During World War II, soldiers went off to war and returned home to their families when it was over. Today, however, soldiers rotate in and out of theater on an almost annual basis. Chandler described a staff sergeant he recently met who's been in the Army 12 years, six of which he spent deployed. The staff sergeant was currently in Afghanistan when he spoke. Besides being far from home, wartime service has other negative effects besides the possibility of being killed or wounded, he said. Unfortunately, veterans of World War II in Korea didn't receive help for their post-traumatic stress disorder, he said. It wasn't talked about then. Chandler's wife, Jean, had an uncle who fought in the Pacific Theater, who is, even today, affected by the combat, the casualties, and the life-or-death situations he was put in, Chandler said. Today, the Army and other services are investing a lot of research into studying and treating post-traumatic stress disorder, known as PTSD, he said, and I think that's a great thing. He encouraged veterans of every war who are suffering from PTSD to seek help. World War II is still relevant. Chandler says soldiers today are learning from veterans of the greatest generation. World War II is not forgotten by today's soldiers as it still has relevance, he said. Throughout the Army, Soldiers in small groups and classrooms pour over the battles and tactics of World War II to learn what worked and what didn't work, so we don't make the same mistakes. Another takeaway from World War II is the importance of the National Guard and Reserve. During World War II, Chandler said, the Reserve components performed superbly after they were mobilized. Today's Reserve components, after 12 years of war, have done just as well, he said. The active and Reserve components working together make a formidable team. Chandler says soldiers today are able to learn from those who came before them. One of the most valuable lessons we can learn from the World War II veterans and other members of the greatest generation is sacrifice. He said, adding that today's soldiers have sacrificed much. We also need to honor those volunteers who've chosen to go into harm's way. Those young men and women, 18 and 19 years of age, who said, if not me, who? And this will defend? They are today's amazing individuals, and they are the next greatest generation for our nation to honor as we do here today, Chandler said. The sergeant major said that the day will eventually come when there won't be any more World War II veterans alive to honor. So Americans must always remember their sacrifices and the many blessings we have today because of what they've done. One day this war in Afghanistan will also end, he continued, and I challenge each of us to think 
will we remember those veterans of today's conflict as we honor those veterans who fought in Europe and the Pacific theaters? Will there be the same amount of energy and courage to say thank you for so few who have given so much? Adding to Chandler's remark was another speaker at the event, retired Army Lieutenant General Claude Mick Kicklighter, Chairman, Friends of the National World War II Memorial. It's been said that any nation that forgets its veterans ceases to be a great nation, Kicklighter said. The memorial says in a very special way that the American people and this nation will never forget our veterans. This memorial says in a very special way that the American people and this nation will never forget our veterans, their families, and especially those veterans who gave all their tomorrows. And when you're 18 or 19, all your tomorrows is a very high price to pay so that we can live in this strong, free, and beautiful America. Yeah, I borrowed that, and yes, I read it. And you know what? I'm darn proud of it. You know, war is hell. War is hell. And doing the research for it is too. So as I was going through all the letters that my dad sent home, my wonderful dad, William Huber, that he sent home to my mother, all I ever did was put them in chronological order. So, you know, I was really surprised when I opened up the envelope with the date, let me see, February 10th, 1945. And I thought, okay. I, it felt very thin. It didn't feel like there was a letter in it. And I opened it up, and out came Franks, French Franks, Emile France, Deux Francs, Emile France, Cinq Francs. Yeah, I can speak French a little bit, en petit peu, very petit peu. But I started looking them up online. They're very beautiful. They truly are. And you can see pictures of them in the show notes. Go look at them. He sent my mother seven francs total. No letter. No, I love you with all my heart. Just seven francs. I thought it was quite a guy. Thanks, Dad. Just the other day, I started to talk about this show to some people I know, and I immediately choked up. It's very emotional for me to go through letters that my father wrote home to my mother, and it's very emotional to me to bring this to you, to make it public, realizing that this was a man or a part of the man whom I loved, my first love, that I really didn't know that well. Or not in this way. And of course I shouldn't have. But still. And my dad died at a very young age. You know, he died of Hodgkin's disease. Way before he should have. So I never got a chance to discuss these times with him. The time that he spent in France and Germany. He wasn't big about talking about it. A lot of men are not. But over the next few weeks... I'm going to bring you some really interesting information I got from the War Department. And I'm going to bring you some really great interviews with people who do the honor flights 
people whose fathers and stepfathers served in World War II. I have a songstress who's coming to be on this show, so I'm very excited about that. But it's very difficult at times for me to not want my dad to be sitting next to me. So forgive me if I choke up a little bit. I just want to thank you so much for listening to this show. You know, I try very hard to bring you good, real information about the times that people served in World War II. Today, for example, I was doing some research and I found out that the gates to Dachau, the concentration camp, and I've been there, I visited it outside Munich, uh, broke my heart. But that the gates had been stolen, so now I'm on a mission to find out if they ever retrieved the gates. So you see, there's always something really cool to come up with, some facts that people weren't aware of, trivia that maybe people do not know. And I just, I have fun. I have fun digging through everything. So bear with me. You know, this show's going to keep getting better. I promise you. I promise you that. So thank you again so much for living and loving and exploring my show. And as mathematician Albert Einstein said, as long as there are sovereign nations possessing great power, war is inevitable. Until next time, let's have some peace in our lives. Bye now.